following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Would you be interested in hearing a radio show? You are absolutely atrocious. Come on, man. At least listen to what I have to say. There is one person in charge of every office in America, and that person is Charles Darwin. We need to evolve into dudes who score. It naturally follows that if we can significantly reduce the inappropriate use of equipment, you should, like, copy your butt. We will also significantly reduce the number of accidents. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most coffee in this room. Rose! Come on, I love you, Rose. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me savior! We are back. We are on the air. And this is kind of a milestone thing. This is show number 201 since we started this little experiment podcast. For all of you who have followed along for all these years, thank you. I really do appreciate it. I do. Uh, and, man, man, we got serious stuff coming up this season. Uh, it's, it's really Welcome to the Bob Matthews Podcast, everyone. I am your host, and I am delighted that you are with us. You can find us on the sportsjourney.com website, as well as Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. Hey, now! Thank you, Hank. Um, okay. Washington and Cincinnati tomorrow night at FedEx, 7.30. Uh, we are going to talk to linebacker Jamin Davis here in a couple of minutes as we get ready for preseason game number two. And then after that, a really special treat. Uh, Spiroditas from CBS Sports and TNT is going to join us while we don't know it officially. Uh, since Spiro gets a lot of Los Angeles Charger games during the season, and the Chargers, being an AFC team, are on the road week one here in Washington. Well, that means that he may very well be the guy calling play-by-play on CBS week one uh, for Washington. Uh, and a really cool guy. And I got to say, I got to tell you, um, and all of the guys that do play-by-play for the NFL obviously are top-notch. If you have the NF, if you have Sunday ticket. And you just you have a window where you're it's either not the Burgundy and Gold or whoever you happen to root for. If they are not playing in that window and you happen to be able to see Spiro calling a game and you just enjoy a really well-called football game, I would very much recommend tuning in. It's worth it for that. The dude calls a tight game. I, I have literally never heard the guy make a mistake i'm sure i generalize a little but he's uh he's a really good play-by-play guy and he's a really good he's a really down-to-earth dude who is taking some time to talk a little afc and a little afc west with us as well as i want to ask him about one of the reasons i wanted to have him on was and we will get into this in the interview we all talk about ashburn syndrome i think we all know what ashburn syndrome is and we all suffer from it at times. So it's going to be interesting to hear Spiro's take on exactly what the vibe, what the zeitgeist is on the burgundy and gold across the country. Is it, you know, are, 
are we, you know, do we have our head in the clouds a little bit here? Are we, quite frankly, suffering from Ashburn syndrome again this year? That's what we're going to find out uh, when we talk to Spiro. So that's coming up in just a few minutes. First, though, we got to go out to Ashburn. Um, again, Washington off today. They really need to come up with a nickname. Man, this is just, it's really just saying the football team or saying Washington is really starting to get on my nerves. And I got to say, uh, before we get to David, before we get to Jamin Davis, um, this whole thing about uh, the team nickname, um, can we just go ahead and, and do this already? This is, it is, they are getting very, very, very close to jumping the shark with this whole process. Okay. Look, a lot of people really like red wolves. Um, make it the red wolves or the red hogs or, or Washington FC. And let's just get on with it. Can we please? Uh, those other names are just quite frankly, horrible. The Commanders is horrible. Um, the, the, the Armada's horrible. No, it, it's it needs to be. It needs to have red in it. Red Wolves just makes the most sense. Okay, so can we please just do that and move on? Keep the numbers on the helmets. I really like that as a look. I really, really do. J- go ahead and keep it like that. Um, but can we just move on? I'm just I, I'm I'm so so tired of it. The the video, I, very creative. The video that Jason Wright and Ron Rivera put out this week, very cute, very creative. But again, enough. Okay. You've you've done the bit. You know. The, believe me, if anybody knows about running a bit into the ground, it's me. Just ask my kids. Um, they have run this bit into the ground and they are they are literally one more episode away from jumping the shark here so please for the love of humanity just come up with a name let's pick a nickname let's roll everything out and let's do it now of course none of that's going to happen not until the offseason and we're, we're stuck with the washington football team again this year uh, but while we're stuck with the Washington football team, um, at least we can go on out to Ashburn. Uh, we talked with Jamin Davis yesterday um, before uh, before the team took off, um, getting ready. I guess they probably had a walkthrough today, but all of that is uh, is kind of behind closed doors. Um, but we talked with uh, Jamin Davis yesterday um, after the final full practice before the game was Cincinnati. Interesting guy. Jamin Davis, um, and a really good interview too. So I think this is the first time that we've really that we've taught we've had him on the show, um, and he had some really cool stuff to say yesterday. Want to start out with, since he is a rookie, how about a little backstory here on Jamin Davis? Oh, I almost forgot. We can't we can't bring exclusive locker room access without some theme music. So somebody's got to cue the theme music here. Much better. All right, Jamin Davis meeting with us after practice yesterday. Start with a little backstory. We asked him, uh, one of the things we asked him was, you know, how did he become a linebacker in the first place? How did Jamin Davis, the football player, evolve into Jamin Davis, the linebacker? 
I mean, growing up, I, I've heard it all. <laughs> I, I've always pretty much been a guy that was looked at as undersized or whatever, and, and it, it never discouraged me at all. I knew after I, my first little taste of contact that I wanted to end up hitting people for a living and being a guy that was out there controlling the show. And I guess speed was just something that I just developed over time as well from different rec league coaches and stuff like that from my hometown. And uh, I just, I don't know, I just always wanted to play linebacker. That was always for me. I always wanted to be the guy that was smacking in the middle, calling plays, making sure we all in the same accord. And uh, yes, here I am. And now I'm just going to try to make a name for myself. He's already doing that, at least out at Ashburn, because it looks like he's penciled in as either the starting Mike or the starting Will linebacker. We'll see which, which position he plays, depending on the packages that they put out there. One of the things that he says has really, really helped him make the transition from college to pro is the fact that every day in practice, he's going up against a guy who has seen it all at the quarterback position in Ryan Fitzpatrick. He said playing with Fitzmagic has definitely accelerated his progress. Well, I mean, like I said before, with a guy like Fitz, um, that one of the main lessons he taught me is quarterbacks will look you off and stuff like that. So just basically knowing your job, knowing where you're supposed to be, and knowing like different things that you might see from different quarterbacks that's been in the league for five, six, seven years plus, and just knowing that as I get more experience, I'll know what to expect and how I can end up playing with their heads a little bit. So That's good. You know, again, he's getting those veteran tips from Fitzmagic. And again, that only goes so far because he's still got to go through the entire process during a game. You know, that and he's going to make mistakes as a rookie and the game will slow down the second year. But you gotta think at some in some way, shape, or form, um, that's going to help him get up to speed a little bit faster. Uh, and again, you know, he may very well wind up playing the Mike linebacker, which is, you know, the middle linebacker and the guy that is calling out the defenses and stuff. That's a lot to put on a rookie, but he says he's ready for it. Uh, basically the same thing I just got put through with camp, uh, just going out there, being confident, knowing the call, knowing where I'm supposed to be, and just getting everybody on the same accord so we can just play fast. So. Really the same thing I've been saying is just knowing my job, knowing what everybody around me is supposed to be doing, and just making sure we all on the same accord so that we can all play fast and just making sure we have an 11 hats to the ball at all times. That's really the main focus. Let's bring him on in. He is the pride of Fordham University. And with all due respect to Giannis Antetokounmpo, he is broadcasting's version of the Greek freak. He calls the tightest game you will hear either with the NFL or TNT. He's CBS Sports and TNT Sports' Spiro Didis joining the program now. Spiro, thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. Bob, that is the nicest introduction anyone's ever given me. Thank you. Hey, my pleasure. Look, man, I just call balls and strikes, and I've been, we've been on the Dina's hype train here for about four seasons now. So I just I call it like I see it, and I say the man calls a tight game. And by the way, if the uh, suits at CBS are listening, I just want them to, to know that I personally say we got to get this man up the chain. I want to see a Spiro Dina's at least a wild card playoff game this year. Um, Bare minimum I'm gonna, wild I'm gonna, card. I'm going to hire you to be my my agent, my second agent. Uh, no, not a, well, I, I do take a commission, and I'll t I'll I'll take less than the guys at uh, at IMG. So you're you're hired. Say. You're hired. No, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate it. The one thing about working at CBS is I get to work with a lot of my broadcast heroes, and 
there's some really talented uh, Hall of Fame caliber people in front of me. So as I've said to them and I've said to my bosses, I'll take whatever whatever crumbs are left over for me at the bottom. I feel the same way, sir. That is the way we stay employed. Let me tell you, you uh, mm. you're, you're getting a new partner this year. I think uh, didn't I read Rudy Marsky said you're getting uh, you and Jay Feely are going to work together this year. Yeah, I'll be I'll be with Jay Feely. He's moving up. He will take Adam Archuleta's spot. My uh, my good buddy and fellow Greek who uh, is moving up to work with Greg Gumble on the four crew. Uh, and I'm just I couldn't be happier for Arch. You know, bummed to lose him on our crew. Sure, we got really close the last couple of years. It's the first time where I've really had a chance to work with a contemporary, you know, same age, grew up in the same era. Uh, but we had a great four years together and um, just super happy for him. I mean, no one deserves it more. He's worked so hard. You know, anyone who followed Archie's career as a player understands that his career as a broadcaster has been the same. He's had to work and earn for everything he's gotten. And so it's nice. It's nice to see CBS reward someone like that who's um, who's just a blue collar guy and has really has really earned his keep at the network. Yeah, you know he he's one of those guys that you know he was a name if you followed football, but not uh, you know a name in the you know in the higher pantheon of popular culture. So when you see a guy like that and you know get elevated um, to like the number three team or something like that, you know you're talking about a guy that not only has a lot of talent but works hard too because it's it's not just the name that he's trading on. Yeah. You know, a lot of times networks, they fall in love with the big names and, and rightfully so, uh, you know, and certainly work with Tony Romo. Um, but sometimes, and I, I will say this, the, the football fan is, is very, very nuanced. You know, you can't just put up someone who had a big career as a player and expect him to be successful, you know, maybe initially. Um, but once the novelty wears off, you have to come with, with really nuanced analysis in this day and age of TV and social media Otherwise, you get exposed quickly, and, and that uh, tends to get ugly. So um, Arch, to me, is, is so good. You know, he's, he's kind of the defensive quarterback. You know, so many of the analysts that we see on TV are ex-quarterbacks or ex-coaches. There are very few ex-defensive players. And so he, he always brings that fresh perspective. He sees it through the eyes of the defense sometimes. And um, I, I just I, – every time I worked with him, I learned something new about the game. And so – uh, congrats to Arch. You know, he's going to be great with Greg, who's who's also one of my favorites and um, just very happy to see it. And you and Feely will do a fabulous job. I have no doubt about that. Let's talk a little ball. Uh, you are the uh, preseason host of the San, uh, San Diego. I knew I was going to do that. I still do it after <laughs> two years. The Los Angeles Chargers. You get one. We all get one. It's okay. Uh, I imagine a lot of people still doing it. Uh, but you're the preseason voice of the LA Chargers. Uh, they're coming to Washington for week one. Give us a little scouting report uh, on San, uh, on LA. Uh, you know, seven and nine last year, and they mm. closed the season really hot. Yeah, this the Chargers to me are one of the more intriguing teams in the league as we get set for the season. And you look at them on paper, um, they have all the pieces that you want. You know, franchise quarterback and Justin Herbert, who just blew the doors off the league last year, you know, rewrote the record books uh, for rookie quarterbacks in the league, was just phenomenal. Um, you've got the running back, you've got the wide receivers that you need with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, they do lose Hunter Henry at the tight end spot to New England, but they bring in Jared Cook from the Saints, who I think was underutilized the last couple of years. The big question for the Chargers offensively was the offensive line, you know, underachieved the last few years. And now with Herbert, when you have that kind of investment, you have to build an elite offensive line. And I think Tom Telesco 
their GM and their front office did just a fabulous job rebuilding that, that O-line. Um, I think they're going to be much improved there. And defensively, again, all the pieces in place, you know, they have the, the pass rushers in, in Joey Bosa and some of the guys up front, you know, the linebackers, Derwin James comes back, who has basically missed the last two years. The question with the defense has always been, can they stay healthy? If they can, I think they've got a chance to be among the best defenses in the league. And the big question, the big kind of addition for this franchise is, is of course, Brandon Staley, the new head coach, meteoric rise. He's 38 years old, just one year as a coordinator in the NFL, has never been a head coach at any level. Um, and all eyes are on him. I mean, he's, he walks into a situation that is, is ripe for winning right now. And so we're going to see what this guy's made of really quick. Uh, we had a chance to visit with him with, with Dan Fouts, my, my preseason partner and, and Ladanian Tomlinson last week. And we were all pretty blown away by his acumen, um, the nuanced thought that I think he's put into every aspect of this job, because as we all know, and as you know, Bob, you know, coaching an NFL team is not just Sundays or Thursdays or Mondays. It's, it's everything in between. It's how do you structure your offseason plan? How do you put your practice schedule together? And he just kind of went through that whole process, um, his philosophy for coaching a football team. And I'll say this, there will not be a coach who is, who is more prepared um, for what is in store for him than Brandon Staley. And obviously experience is something he doesn't have at this point, but in terms of thinking things through um, and that part of the game, he uh, he's a pretty impressive, pretty impressive man at his yep. age. When you guys, uh, when you guys go out and, and watch practice and stuff, um, how does he seem to to vibe with the players? I mean, do they does it seem to be a good fit? Does the the moment not seem too big for him? He's a guy who who's an excellent communicator. I think that is the first thing that you notice when you watch him on the practice field. Um, both of his parents were, were two teachers. Father was a coach. Uh, he explained to us what he took from both. He said his father as a coach taught him to know your personnel, you know, know your audience. Um, you can't always treat each player the same because, you know, you've got 53 different guys in a locker room. There's 53 different personalities. Uh, his mom, a school teacher, learned patience from her. Um, it, it was really interesting to hear him talk about everything he gleaned from his parents. And I think he's put those lessons um on the football field. He's used those to really move up the ranks quickly. Um, and just seeing him interact with his players uh, was impressive. And, you know, look, there's guys in that locker room that are a little older than him. Um, and, and sometimes when you're a new coach, when you're young and these guys know he's inexperienced, they know that he's only been doing this for a handful of years, you have to really earn their respect. And Look, it's early. They haven't even gotten to the regular season yet. Everything looks rosy and easy at this point. That that's obviously goes without saying, but I, I think it's clear that there is a respect that has grown between coach and player when you watch this team practice. And and to me, that's the biggest part of this because you know Anthony Lynn had a lot of respect. He he was a guy who you know was a blue collar guy as a player, had to earn everything he got, um, but. At some point, things went south. You know, it was game management, those types of things. That's the other side of this where Brandon Staley's going to have to prove himself. But initially, I think all early returns are very, very positive that, that Brandon Staley is the right guy for this team. 
How about Justin Herbert? Uh, if I heard correctly, he's uh, Staley's not playing him in the preseason. So, mm. you know, when you when you see him at practice, how does he look at practice? Because this will be a you know a different thing for him. He's got a brand new head coach, learning a brand new system here for the second time since he since he came into the league. Yeah, look, the kid's a stud. It's just, yeah. and you know, when you step back, Bob, and you think of so many franchises around the league have been looking for a quarterback for five, 10, 15 years. Well, in, our, you know, in, the, it, in the case up here, it's been more like 30, but yeah, you know, it, it's like this eternal search. And then here are the chargers. You go from Drew Brees granted, you know, early in his career before right. he really became who he is now, Philip rivers to Justin Herbert. You know, when you think of the, the, the good fortune that they've had at that position, uh, because the questions were, you know, as Philip Rivers was winding down, the question became, you know, what, what is this team going to do long term at quarterback? How do you replace a future Hall of Famer? And to have Justin Herbert fall into their laps uh, was a, a, a shot of good fortune that I don't think is, is something that they, they dismissed. You know, Tom Telesco talks about how fortunate they are to, to have him. He's got all the tools. Uh, but when you sit and spend time with him, you realize, man, just how how smart this kid is, how grounded he is. Everything about him is impressive. And when you look at what he did last year, Bob, and you consider the fact that they had all the COVID restrictions in the offseason, you know, basically shot their offseason um, in the foot like every other team. Mm -hmm. uh, they had to deal with all of those things. No preseason games as a rookie, you know, so vital for a kid in his position to get ready for his first season. And then they start the season with him as the backup to Tyrod. And of course, you remember that wild scene before week two, uh, Tyrod has that freak accident pregame, they, they puncture his lung. And as the ball is being kicked in the air in Kansas City, Justin Herbert, hears Anthony Lynn pull him aside and say, hey, you're, you're the starter. So he hits the ground running throws for more than 300 yards and, and almost beats the Chiefs in his first game. And if you think about it, and Tom Telesco pointed this out in our conversation with him at practice last week, at that point, the team hadn't seen him play in a game situation. You know, no preseason, remember. And so there was a moment early in that game, if you put the tape on, where Herbert scrambles out of the pocket, and I can't remember who the defender was, but there was a huge collision, and Herbert knocks the DB on his backside. And Telesco said it was that first moment where everyone kind of looked around and looked at each other and like, holy cow, like this kid is a gamer. And he said from that point on, he'd never looked back. And he put together one of the most historic first year seasons that we've seen from a rookie quarterback in the history of the league. So uh, when you have someone like that at his age and his skill set at the quarterback position, you're going to have a chance to win every year. Do you think that the, you're a West Coast guy? Do you think that uh, we on the East Coast kind of overlooked him in college just because he was always, you know, playing that Pac-10 game at 1030 at night? Of course. I mean, how could you not? Yeah. You know, unless you're a, a hardcore Pac-12 fan staying up till 1030, one o'clock in the morning watching West Coast football games. Um, how could you not overlook him? Yeah. And, and look, everyone else's loss was the Chargers game. They knew exactly who they wanted at that uh, spot in the draft. And, um, and man, he's just, he, he's just incredible. And we, we were talking about this with Telesco the other day. It, it just seemed for a number of years, there was such a dearth of good young quarterbacks and to have in, in the same year, Justin Herbert 
and Joe Burrow come into the NFL was so incredible last year. You know, we did a bunch of Cincinnati games and Burrow is just, he's on the same level, certainly. I mean, he was, he was on a uh, trajectory to, to getting that offensive rookie of the year that Herbert eventually won. Um, hopefully Burrow is able to come back from the ACL, but those two guys, their, their futures are so bright. And I think the league is in really, really good hands with both of those guys. It really, it, it was an amazing two years, 19 and 20, because you think about it on the heels of them, you know, you had Josh Allen's class the year before, sure. and, you know, which was, which was lauded as, as such a great quarterback mm-hmm. class as well. Good point. Um, we were talking before we went on here uh, about a, a particular phenomenon for us here in, in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area that we call Ashburn syndrome. And means that uh, we, we sometimes have inflated expectations of the Washington football team. So one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is as a guy who kind of sees the entire, you know, league from, uh, you know, from 35,000 feet um, nationally, what, what are people saying about, about Washington this year? We, people here in the DMV seem to think that if Ryan Fitzpatrick stays healthy, uh, this team could win 10, 11 games this year. Do they have that same kind of buzz around the country, you think? I think, you know, I'll say this. I, I think people, the, the respect that Ron Rivera has around the league is, is palpable. And I think with him at the helm, there's a sense that Washington has started to take those first steps towards not only respectability, but, but real contention. Uh, you know, I don't think there's anyone under – illusions that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is, is a placeholder, um, like he's been pretty much at every stop of his career. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, everything he stands for. I think he's, he's had such a, a unique NFL career as a quarterback. Um, but, you know, the truth is that they don't have their, probably their long-term franchise quarterback. I think they're building the franchise up in other areas. You know, we know how good that defensive front is. Um, something that the Chargers are already thinking about on, on opening day. Um, but slowly but surely, I, I think Washington is getting to where they need to be to, I think, put the last few years of, of some bad headlines and some bad PR behind them. And, you know, they had to clean up the front office. You know, we know about that story. I think people in Washington, I'm sure, are tired of thinking about it. They want to put it behind them. But when, you, when you're a franchise that goes through some of those lulls, it's, it's not an overnight turnaround. There's a perception that I think needs to change around league circles and not just from the fans and the media's perspective, but also from the players, because when you're, you know, the president or the, the general manager trying to sign big name free agents in the off season, they're going to ask you some hard questions. And I think until they were able to clean up some of the issues that plagued them in the front office, building the team that they wanted was always going to be an issue. So I think the steps that they've taken with Rivera, some of the players that they brought in, high character guys, I think is a very good sign for where Washington is headed as a franchise. Fitz, obviously, you know, we know about his time in Tampa and everything, but uh, when he was uh, when he was in the AFC, you know, Cincinnati and Buffalo and stuff like that, um, did you do, you know, a number of his games? Uh, and I ask this because I have a follow-up if you're, you know, if you did have him, you know, in, in at least a few games. Oh yeah. We've had him a ton. Love so, the guy. So mm-hmm. here's, yeah. And here's the thing, you know, from a talent perspective, and I don't know the answer to this, but I'm wondering, has Ryan Fitzpatrick been a journeyman because he's played on a lot of bad teams or is he a journeyman because he's not as, you know, talented a quarterback 
as other guys out there. If, if Washington has the pieces that a lot of people think they have, could it just be that Fitz needed the pieces around him, you know, in order to succeed? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And it's interesting. Sometimes the narrative on a player gets written prematurely and they're typecast into a certain, uh, a certain role. And for whatever reason, that's who Ryan Fitzpatrick has been sold by the media as being. And, and you're right. I don't think it's fair because you cannot be a quarterback in this league for as long as he has and not be ultra talented. You know, yes, he's had those seasons where he's made the mistakes. He's been that gunslinger who, you know, maybe takes too many chances during the course of a game. And then we've certainly seen that backfire. But to me, I think it's it's the former of the two options that you gave. I I, I don't think Ryan has ever played on, on a, a truly elite level club that has legitimate championship aspirations. You know, who's to say if you if you put him on Tampa Bay last year or Kansas City a couple of years ago that Fitzpatrick can't take them to a Super Bowl and potentially win it. Uh, unfortunately, he hasn't had that opportunity. I'd have to look. I'd have to go back and see which of the the teams he's been on. Maybe we're we're close to one of those legitimate contending teams, but he it just seems like he's always on one of these average at best teams, overachieving type teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and and sometimes when you're asking a quarterback of Fitzpatrick. Uh, of Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he's unable to take them over the top. But if you're put championship caliber talent around him, um, I think he'd have a good chance as any to get his team to the promised land. Yeah, there was one year he was with the Jets. They were 10 and six. And I think they had a pretty good team, you know, overall you know, talent wise. So that's that that's kind of why uh, that that's kind of the thing that I want to see this year. That's going to be fascinating. And I got to tell you, mm. from everything I've seen at practice, um, the beard, and I know you know about the beard game, but the beard game with Fitz this year is just fantastic. So that's already mm. in midseason form, which is very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every, every time we, we sit with him for 20, 30 minutes, I mean, it's always, it's always just a lot of fun. He and Arch played together uh, for a year with the Rams, so that's they've right. always had that, that connection. Uh, just a fascinating guy, family man. Um, obviously, we know about his, his collegiate background, really, really bright. Um, so always have, have enjoyed our visits with him and we're, we're, we're rooting for him in Washington, hoping that he has a good year. All right. Final question. And I do not know if you can officially answer it yet. I don't want to step on anybody's toes or anything, but are the CBS announcer lineups out for week one? And because San Diego is an AFC team on the road, does that mean that you might be at FedEx field for chargers, Washington week one? We do not have our official schedules, but there are, are rumors starting to circulate. Uh, Washington is a possibility for us. We would love to be there. I think that's one of the more intriguing kind of under the radar week one games. Uh, but hopefully we will find out here in the next couple of days. But yes, it is a possibility. Uh, and I would not be upset if they send us to D.C. for week one. <laughs> I tell you what, I hope they do. If they do, I will, uh, I will stop by the booth if I don't get escorted by security to, uh, to another section of the, the press box and say hi. Spiro Dinas of CBS Sports, sir, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. We'll do it again. You know, and I, I hope we can do it again, although I, I would not blame Spiro one bit if he completely lost our email address. No, I don't think he will. Good dude. Seriously good dude. Again, uh, check him out. If you, if either Washington and or whatever team you happen to be partial for, 
is not playing in a window where he has got a game that is one of the tightest and uh, one of the most professionally called games you will hear. So Spiro Jay Feely on CBS this year. I'm psyched for it. Now, uh, my good friends, uh, Donna Dana Sterling in Tupelo, Mississippi. They're friends with Gardner Minshew and his family. Spiro does a lot of Jags games. I already told them, watch out this year of telling you the star on the rise. All right, we got to get on out of here. Uh, Making the clock on the wall say it is time to go. Washington, Cincinnati, FedEx Field tomorrow night. We will talk about it when it is done. Enjoy it. And remember, like the wise man once said, if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, you are white. Wash your hands.